Let's start with prayer. Father God in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for you are good, you are faithful. Thank you for the privilege and our freedom that we can gather here today, tonight, Lord God, to glorify you and once again to learn from you. I pray for our teachers, Lord God, that, that will be teaching this little children, Lord God, that you will be with them. Give them patience, give them wisdom. And I pray for the kids that they will learn from you and you alone. And I lift up to you, Lord, our message tonight, that once again, you will speak to us. Use me, Lord God, as your instrument, Lord, as your messenger for your people to hear about your love for them. I pray, Lord, that you will override my preparation, that you will be alone that speaking to them. Thank you, Lord God, for everything. And we praise you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's see. Okay. All right. So, I made my wife sing tonight. So, we, we share the pressure of being here. <laughs> but I've found, I found out that she has more pressure than me. Because she has to sing, and at the same time, she's very, very stressed out, me preaching tonight. So, <laughs> double the pressure for her. You know, what she sang is called Dolorosa, Via Dolorosa. And what it meant is that that's the route where Christ took the way, His way to Calvary. For out of His love for you and me. So, Tonight, we will talk about love, as you can see there. So, what is love? L-O-V-E. But what is true love? So, we're still in our series, God's Love. Okay. So, the, Pastor Joe is not here tonight. So, he asked me like five months ago. <laughs> so, I have plenty of time to prepare for this. But I tell you, you'll never be ready. Um, I think I slept. 5 a.m. this morning for this message. So I hope you will bear with me, be patient with me as I am not, as this is not my expertise. So I just pray that you will learn something tonight. So what is true love? Okay, so hold on. Okay, so our goal tonight is to find out what true love is in light of how Christ demonstrated his love for us. Okay. So nowadays we have a very superficial um, definition of love. So it's quite superficial. We see things in a like shallow. We see love everywhere in television, in social media, right? It's all about love, especially to this month, it's the month of love. Two days ago, we celebrated Valentine's Day. So for the couples, maybe you guys went to on a date with your loved ones. For the singles, it's called the National Singles Day. Right? So if we have singles here, don't be discouraged. You are loved by Christ. Right? You are loved by Christ. So did you know that in single Valentine's Day, Prod, um, Americans spent $27 billion just in a sing single day to celebrate Valentine's Day. Isn't that crazy? The things we do for love, right? 
So, love. But you know, um, what is love? So, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, love is defined as an intense feeling of deep affection. It's an intense feeling of deep affection. So, what it basically means is that it's all about your emotion and how you feel to a person, right? So, that's why it's very shallow definition of love. It's basically, they should just have put their infatuation instead of love, right? So, no wonder why a lot of people are getting crazy because they think of love plainly as feelings or emotions. Once the feeling is gone, relationship starts to crumble. So, our feelings is always gonna fade, right? So, you might be at the peak of your love life right now, yeah, 33,000 feet above the air, but tomorrow, who knows, you're at the rock bottom. Maybe a few months or a few years from now, you have hit the plateau and it became too bland, right? So, did you know that divorce rate in the U.S. alone is at 50%, 50%, half, basically half of the people in America, out of 300 million people, are into divorce, right? And because it's all about emotion and it's all about how we feel. So, I've researched this and you know what the top five reasons of divorce, it has something to do with feelings. First one is because poor, poor communication. So if we don't feel love, the communication fails. Secondly, because one person is no longer attracted to another person. So that's why they commit divorce. And the third one is infidelity. So these things, if we don't feel affectionate, or we don't feel love towards another person. Now we start looking the other direction, right? To get the high again of love, right? So, but again, feelings comes and goes. It reminded me of this couple who's been married for a while. They've been married for a while, but right now they hit a hard times. Financial problems, left and right, right? The wife was arrested one day because of shoplifting, right? So she went before the judge with her husband. And the judge said to the wife, I, uh, the judge said to the wife, you are arrested for shoplifting. Tell me about it. Right? And the wife said, and the wife said, I stole a can of peaches. That's why I was arrested. So the judge said to her, well, why did you steal a can of peaches? And she said, because I am hungry. That's why I stole a can of peaches. So the judge made his decision and he said, how many peaches are in the can? And she said, there are six peaches. Okay, since there's six peaches, six days in jail. And before the judge can wrap up the case, the husband stood up and said, Your Honor, I want to say something. And he said, 
she also stole a can of peas. <laughs> I hope you got the joke. So it only means he wants her wife to be in jail longer, right? So that's what happens. <laughs> so as you all know, a lot of you knows, I work in a psych unit. So I work with a lot of people that has mental problems. And to tell you, I've been working five years in psych and I can't even count how many times I had a patient that became suicidal because their boyfriend or girlfriend or wife left them. Even to a point of actually doing it, actually committing suicide because of heartbreaks. So it's pretty sad because a lot of us, we really don't know what love is, what true love is, right? Did you know that love is such a powerful, powerful motivator? It's one of our basic needs. In, according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it is next to physiologic needs. It's love and belongingness. So that's why it's very important. You know, it's such a powerful motivator that even the Bible said that love can move mountains. There's this one man, he was overweight, 100 pounds over his weight, his ideal weight. He tried everything to, to lose weight. He tried keto diet, he tried the vegetarian and vegan diet, exercise every day, but nothing worked. So he gave up. And then one day, his daughter, who was very young, in her 20s, was diagnosed of irreversible kidney failure. So, the daughter listed through UNOS. UNOS is a organ organizations, but she, since she is very young, she's at the bottom of the list. So the doctor told her dad, "You can be the donor," but the doctor was straightforward with him: "You have to lose weight." For you to donate your kidney to her. So you know what the dad did? Right after that conversation, he went running, started hitting the gym. He went on a diet and fasting. And I tell you, six to eight months later, he lost more than 80 pounds. And he was able to give and donate his kidney to his daughter and save her life. You know, that's the things that love can do, right? Nothing is impossible with love. It's such a motivator. But the problem with the world today is most of us doesn't know, know what true love really is. Today, we actually use the word love and we associate it with like, right? Oh, I love this. Oh, I love your bag, right? And oh, I love fries, everything. Love. Why can't you just use the word like instead, right? So, it's so overused, right? Um, love is watered down nowadays. Even fast food uses love. You know, McDonald's? In the Philippines, their slogan is, love kuto. <laughs> the Filipinos get that. <laughs> so, chicken has something to do with love, right? So, now, I want to bring you all, all of us has to learn what true love really is, right? 
So for us to know what true love is, we have to go back to the author of love himself, right? So who's the author of love? And we can find out. We can find that out through the Bible. This, the Bible is actually God's love letter to us. It's amazing, right? We take it for granted, but it's God's love letter to us. So it is the story of the Bible is the story of God's love for you and me. So tonight we will learn about true love. Three points. True love is from God. True love is from God. Second point is true love is costly and it will require a sacrifice. And lastly, true love is a commitment. Okay? So uh, bear with me. I hope you're not falling asleep. So point one, true love is from God. Right? True love is something that we always want to seek after. Love is part of us. It's in our very nature. It is our nature and it's something that you can't help. No matter how hateful you are, deep inside you there's still love. Right? But have you ever wondered why we love? The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, it reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the very nature of God himself is love. Right? So real love is from God because he is obviously, as it's stated there, is love. Right? So if we want to find out what true love really is, then we have to know who God is, right? It's very simple. So that means that to really experience true love, you have to know God personally. You have to know Him personally. But the question is, how can you know Him personally if He is God? And in the first place, God is holy and we are unholy. Right? So there's a dilemma there. How can we be reconciled with the holy God if we, the people, are unholy? Right? So, because again, God is love. He always provides the way. Right? So in Hebrews 1.3, it reads, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprints of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So who is this he? He is the radiance of God. Say it louder. Yeah, it's Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. You see how amazing God is? That He provides, always provides a way out for us. Right? It, said, it reads in this commentary that I read online. It says that Jesus is the beam of God's glory. We have never seen the sun, like sunshine. Right? Have you ever seen the sun? 
No, actually you're seeing the radiance. We have never seen the sun, only the rays of its light as they come to us. Likewise, we have never seen the Father, the God, but we have seen through Him the rays of the sun, which is Jesus Christ. He is the imprint of God. The idea implies an exact likeness as made by a stamp. Right? So He is the exact likeness of God. So when you know Jesus, you will come to know God. That's the key. Because through Him and Him alone that we get to know who God and His nature is. No wonder why a lot of people are not capable of truly loving someone. So that's why divorce rate is so high. right? Because who? We don't really know the author of love. And we don't really know love in the first place. Some of us Christians, it's so sad, but a lot of us are seeking religion. Right? So you might not really have experienced God in a real sense. So the question is, do you really know God personally? Do you really know Jesus personally? No wonder there's this sort survey that said that 98%, 98% of people who claim to be Christians in the United States admitted that their behavior is not Christ-like. 98% admitted that their behavior is not Christ-like. Is it possible that you never really know Jesus in a personal way? Right? That's... That's what you've been doing. It's just religion. It's just tradition. But the answer to that is between you and God. Because that's the beauty of Christianity. We have to know that Christianity is not about religion. Christianity is about relationship. Right? So, you may ask me, are there proofs that God is love? Again, the Bible always has the answer. You know that when God, during the creation of the world, in six days, He created everything. By, this, by the words of His mouth, everything comes into existence. Right? And he declared, he declared that it was very good after the six days. It was very good. That means that he was pleased with his creation. It only means that creation was carefully thought about by God. He passionately created. Now, you're not going to do something passionately if you don't love it in the first place, right? Who are the artists here? Right? There you go. We have one there. You're not going to draw something that you really don't want to draw that you don't like doing or love doing, right? So, I like basketball. And I love playing it. And I play because I love it. See? You see the comparison? The same way God created because He was passionate about it. Because He loved what He did, right? So, it's like a potter. A potter, you know, you mold something out of a clay 
a potter will mold something passionately to be exactly what he has in mind, right? So an, an, an architect will design something of what he has already envisioned, right? So how about human beings? Excuse me. <coughs> you know, I got a cold last December and I've been a little cough right there and then. But this past few days, my wife told me it was stress induced. <laughs> so maybe now I believe her because I've been coughing nonstop. Right. So again, how about us? God created us. And did you know that we are on top of God's creation? He saved the best for last. Everything was already created before he created Adam, right? On top of that, the Bible tells us that we were created in his own image. So the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us, let us, notice let us, make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping things that creeps on the earth. Right? So to rule over God's creation only means that humans are special. Right? This shows that humans are the pinnacle of God's creation. We were the best among the best, so to speak. When God made us in His own image, He was saying that He loves us as His own sons and daughters, right? He made us in His own image. And then what, 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 what did we learn again earlier? God's very nature is love. No wonder why you are capable of loving. Because we were made in His own image. Isn't that crazy? God spoke and it was created, but when He created us, that's the only time God actually moved a finger. When He created the universe, the galaxies spinning round and round, He just spoke it. And out of His words, it, it come into existence. But when He created you, when He created Adam, He breathed into him the breath of life. Isn't that amazing? You're very special. So if you're feeling down because you think you're worthless, no, God cares for you. And God loves you. I like how the psalmist in Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You needed me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So if you don't believe in God, you know, in the innermost being, you know very well that you weren't just created because of an accident. It's very clear. If it's in Tagalog, katakatakot kang ginawa. So you're fearfully... In Bisaya, Nilnig. 
So, that's just some side notes. <laughs> Truly, love is the very nature of God, right? So how about when we sinned against God, when we were separated from Him? You know what God did? He sacrificed an animal for you. He sacrificed an animal for Adam and Eve. You know, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. He could just end it, struck them right there and then, and die. Right? And then, God, if I were God, that's what I'm going to do. Hit re reset button and create again. Okay? But no. Because, again, God's very nature is love. So what he did, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Right? So the, that's the first sacrifice in the Bible. Instead of killing them right there and then, he showed them love. He clothed them, right? God knows that, since then, God knows that for humanity to be rescued, it will require a sacrifice. So from there on, we were separated from our Creator. Because again, God is holy. God is holy. So actually what happened here is a prophecy which was later on fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Which led us, leads us to our second point. That true love is costly. And true love requires sacrifice. So, <coughs> so God's love for us isn't dependent on us. Remember that. God's love for us isn't dependent on us. As we can't earn His love, He loves us despite our sinful, sinful nature. My Filipino accent is trying to get out. <laughs> Anyways, the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin, God knew that humanity needs to be rescued. He knew that nobody can pay the price of sin except himself. Right? Do you know somebody who've never sinned before? I don't think so. I hope nobody raised their hand. <laughs> he lived... Jesus Christ, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, fully human, just like you and me, but at the same time, fully God. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And he was the lamb who took away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, 5-6. Okay, I went too fast, sorry. So in Philippians Chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, it reads, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? So Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. Love is indeed costly. Now, do you believe love is indeed costly? 
it took Jesus to die on that cross for you. Right? It's costly. You know, but as you've noticed in this verse, it said they're obedient to the point of death. Jesus was fully human, just like you and me. He was tempted. The pain that he went through was agonizing. Right? But obedience was the key. He obeyed his father's will. God, <coughs> in Isaiah 53, 5-6, this is the picture of God, of Jesus, of Jesus going through, through the Calvary. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was buried. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on, on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the man who knew no sin became sin. Right? As the song, Chris Tomlin. Jesus endured the cross. For your sake and mine. But the question is, why, why Jesus needs to die on the cross? Why does Jesus need to die on the cross? We have to understand this, and this is very critical when it comes to our Christian faith. Why does Jesus need to die on the cross? This is now a Bible study, so I can't get answers from you. <laughs> if this is the young adults, I definitely squeeze out some answers from them. But you know why Jesus has to die on the cross? Because God is holy and sin needs to be paid for. For God to forgive us, somebody has to pay. right? And Jesus paid for your sin for He is the perfect sacrifice. Right? He is the perfect sacrifice. You know, dying in the cross is the most painful and humiliating way. To die at that point in time. During the Romans, it's the most humiliating way to die. You know, crucifixion was actually, it, it wasn't started by the Romans. It was invented by the Persians. Isn't that crazy? But crucifixion was perfected by the Romans. Right? So it's a form of punish, punishment for the most serious crime so jesus didn't deserve to die but he died in a way that you can't even imagine and even the ter the the term excruciating pain have you have you experienced that excruciating pain you know when i ask my patients at work what's your pain level in a scale of 0 to 10 10 being the most Ten, <laughs> and they're smiling. <laughs> Ten should be like, you can't even move a finger because it's too painful. But cra how crazy it is that America's pain tolerance, pain level is too low. So a little pain, 10, 10 over 10. <laughs> I want some opiates. <laughs> Anyways, you know, the ex excruciating pain it's actually from the Latin word means crocs, C-R-U-X, which means cross. See, 
The most painful description of pain is excruciating is from the Latin word crux, which means cross. In 1 John 2, 1, 2, it reads, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation, I'm having a hard time with this word, propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. You know what propitiation means? Did I say it right, Pastor Charles? <laughs> so you know what propitiation means? Propitiation is a legal term used by lawyers and legal paralegals, which means it is paid in full. It is paid in full. So it is like who has who got speeding tickets here before? I did. <laughs> So, it is like a story of this young man who's been speeding a lot, but he's been getting away from it. And one day, he was caught again. And the cops check his record, and he has multiple speeding tickets. And you know, <coughs> they want you to pay for that. So the cops told this young man, I gotta bring you to court. You have to settle your debts with the court. So... They went to court, but apparently, the judge was his own father, <laughs> right? So he has multiple speeding tickets, but the judge was his father. So now, the father is on a dilemma on how to solve this problem. So you know what the father did? He took off his cloak, his judge uniform, went to the cashier, and paid in full. Of what his son owes. And he went back, put in his cloak, and to to case is closed and it's solved. So it is like that what Jesus did for us. He paid the price in full. So you don't have to pay anything, no matter how bad you are. Right? That's what Jesus did. He was the propitiation for our sin. Because Jesus knows that He loves you and He wants you to be reconciled to God. And that's the only way. As Jesus said in the Bible, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come, can come to the Father except through Jesus. Right? I like how Billy Graham once said, God proves His love on the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. So Jesus in a series of serious business of rescuing us. So this leads us to my third point. True love is a commitment. I hope you're still there. We're almost done. True love is a commitment. So what the question now is what is true love? What is true love? So, true love is a commitment. It's a commitment. It transcends feelings. Because again, feelings comes and goes. But commitment stays. It sticks. Right? But 
also true love is a commitment towards who? You and me, imperfect people. It is a commitment towards imperfect people. Because, you know, loving someone who is perfect, if there's such one, is a piece of cake. Very easy, right? But, God, but God's love is a commitment towards us imperfect people. So now, I want you to tell your neighbor, so to, just to wake you up. Okay. Tell your neighbor, you don't have a neighbor, you can tell me. Uh, tell your neighbor, you are imperfect. You are imperfect, okay? But at the same time, you are imperfect, but I love you. Yeah. You are imperfect, but I love you, okay? Now, again, true love is a commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good, right? To seek their highest good. So, you know, when you love someone... You want the best for them, like, right? Like parents. I'm not a parent yet, but like parents, they want the best for their children, right? For them to grow, the, to be the best person they can be, right? For Filipinos, we go to extreme, extreme measures, buried in debt for the kids to go in college, right? So that's how much parents love their children, right? And how about to a friend? You know, if you're a true friend, I know I'm having a hard time with this too. If you're a true friend, you gotta be honest towards your friend. You know, I have a friend before, and he was he's having a like body odor. His armpit was stinking, but being a, I thought I was being a good friend, so I was just sucking it all up, you know, not telling him. And then one day. Someone told him straightforward to his face, your armpit stinks, man. <laughs> you got to do something about it. And now he told me, you never said anything to me. So I was the bad friend, right? So when you are a real friend, you got to be straightforward to them. Because it's again, it's for their highest good, right? It's for their highest good. So, and lastly, again, what's true love? True love is a commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good and oftentimes require a sacrifice. Oftentimes require a sacrifice. I like how Romans 5.8 sums this all up. Right? Romans 5 verse 8, it reads, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Christ died for us. If you've noticed, God demonstrate that is God's commitment towards us. He, you know, the thing with God is He can never turn against His own nature. You know? His very nature is love and He can't turn away from that. Right? So, He demonstrates his love towards us. God did not wait until we become good, right? Because we'll never be good enough for Him. Because He, again, is holy. He knew that we will not make it our own. If you've noticed there, 
His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners, it means that we are imperfect people, right? We are imperfect. Yet Christ died for us. So that means that true love requires sacrifice. You know, it's crazy. God loves us so much that Christ died on that cross for your sake and mine, right? True love is indeed costly and it requires sacrifice, right? So to wrap this all up, okay, I have 39 minutes. God's, God loves you personally, okay? God loves you personally. You know, the Bible, again, is the story of how precious you are to Him. That He sacrificed Jesus for your sake. Jesus, who is the second person in the Trinity, God Himself tasted death. Imagine that. God Himself tasted death for yours and mine's sake. There's no other God in any form of religion that do that. Okay? It's the other way around, actually. In, a, in Islam in a Islam belief, sometimes they go to the extreme where you have to die for your God to attain heaven. Isn't that crazy? But for us, it's our God that died for you. And we shouldn't take that for granted. We should treasure that. And we, we have to respond to that love, right? Again, as famously, as famously known, right? If you love someone, you have, to, you have to what? Spend time, right? So love is spelled as T-I-M-E, time, right? When my wife was still in the Philippines, I flew four or five times a year just to see her, see? Because that's the only, that's the best I can do to spend time with her. It cost me so much, no savings. <laughs> At one point in 2018 alone, I calculated it. I flew to the Philippines five times and I covered over 100,000 miles. It's crazy, right? So uh, over 100,000 miles. I could have been the elite member of the Philippine Airlines, but I was broke, so I go to whatever's the cheapest. <laughs> so we do things for love, right? So, but again, time is the way we can express love. But you know, God is beyond time. God is beyond time. He is not like us whose numbers are limited. Our days are numbered, right? So God, according to C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, I suggest you all read it, but God being himself is beyond time. He's not like us that our days are numbered. God is not hurried along in the time stream of this universe any more than an author is heard along the imaginary time of his own novel. So it means if I'm writing a book and then I'm gonna wait whoever this guy gonna marry, if this lady or this lady, I can wait until next month and finish the book and you all be waiting because it's imaginary, 
right? So God is not constricted with our own time. You know how, how I like this. C.S. Lewis said that he has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. He does not have to deal with us in the mass. You are as much alone with him as if you were the only being he had ever created. When Christ died, he died for you individually, just as much as if you had been the only man in the world. Isn't that crazy? So he died for you personally, right? So again, to wrap it up, true love is a commitment towards imperfect people to seek their highest good, which often requires sacrifice. And I hope that you've learned something and that as we go out of this building, we appreciate what God and what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. Don't take it for granted. It is meant to be shared. God wants to love through you. Right? So if you already have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, share it to somebody else. Because it's a precious gift that meant to be shared to someone else. Don't keep it to yourself. Our problem nowadays as Christians is that we don't take God's Jesus' command to go out there and make disciples of all nations. We just go out there and be quiet. (laughs) We have to be bold. We have to step outside our own circle, our own comfort zone. We have to make sure that people get to know Christ because there's only two destinations for us when it's all said and done here on earth. Either you go to hell or you go to heaven. So now is the time. True love is indeed God. It's all about God, right? So let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for you have loved us so much beyond what we can understand, Lord, beyond our own comprehension. You're so personal to us, Lord God, that you died for our own sake, that even though we didn't deserve it, you obeyed Jesus, the Father's will. Lord, I pray that if there's any one in this room that have not yet received you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that this is the day that they will come to know you in a personal way. Lord Jesus, thank you again for what you've done for us. Thank you that you've always there for us, Lord God. Thank you for everything, Lord God. Help us to comprehend, Lord God, what cost you for us to have eternal life. Lord, we commit to you the rest of the night, and I pray that you will be with us as we fellowship with one another. Thank you again. All the praises and honor and glory belongs to you and you alone, Jesus. Amen.